Hi friends, welcome to the Your Knitting Companion podcast. My name is Amy. I am the dyer behind Pearl and Clover Yarn Co. You can find me on all the social medias as Pearl and Clover Yarn Co. And that's Pearl like the stone, not the stitch. And you can find my personal Instagram at creatively.amy. A big warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate you taking some of your very valuable time and choosing to spend it with me talking about all the fun yarny things. I have a lot on my mind today from knitting ruts to knitwear trends to knitting outside the box. I have whips and FOs and I've been in the dye pots quite a bit so we have a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get going. A few weeks ago, I found myself in a little bit of a knitting rut. Now, I didn't have a loss of mojo. I think that a loss of mojo means that you don't have the desire to knit. You just don't even want to pick up your needles. And that was not me. Um, I had recently finished all my projects, so I had nothing on my needles. And I really wanted to cast something on. But nothing inspired me. Nothing was speaking to me. There was just something holding me back and it was really frustrating. And so this got me thinking about creative ruts. You know, all creative people go through it, I would think at some point or another. We have certainly all heard of writer's block and I'm sure Artists of all kind have, you know, highs and lows of abundant creativity and then just nothing. And I just was curious as to what on earth causes these things. I wanted to know really, you know, what what it was with me. Why nothing spoke to me during during this this time. And so I started to do a little bit, little bit of research on creative blocks, and I read a lot about them, and it did really help me. I did have an aha moment, and I'll talk to you about that. But before I do, I, I wanted to just share with you some of the things I learned that were helpful to me, and you know... <laughs> If I can go off on a little bit of a side here, one of the things that social media has taught me is that we rarely have unique experiences. I mean, we think we do. We think we are the only ones that had this thought or had that particular experience. And then at least for me, I go onto TikTok and I see a video of someone who, you know, just had the same exact thought or the same exact weird experience and I'm just always struck that we're just all living the same life. So I'm sharing this with you because I think if I went through this sort of creative, I'm calling it a rut, but you can call it a block, whatever, that maybe someone else is and that you know, maybe some of the things that I learned might give you an aha moment or might help you get over the hump, so to speak. So the first thing that spoke to me was maybe the, there's too much yarn 
too many patterns and a lack of clear goals. All right, so as a yarn collector and a yarn creator, I would like to say that I disagree that there's too much yarn. I don't think you can ever have too much yarn, but I can absolutely relate to that there is so much yarn available and there are so many beautiful patterns available that if you don't have a clear goal in mind, it, it can become overwhelming. It's like when you walk into a department store or any kind of big store and you don't really know what you want, I don't know about you, but I very often get overwhelmed. So how do you remedy that? Well, you niche down on, on what particular yarn you'd like to use, and you have to niche down on, on your pattern. So it might be that, you know, you finally decide, okay, I have so much yarn available, but I, I really just want to look at DK, and I want to look at DK you know, superwash, or what I have often done on Ravelry is I have filtered by what gauge I want to knit at, because sometimes I just want to knit at a bigger gauge. And so I'll go to that sidebar, um, or the, wherever the bar is, whatever device you're looking on, and I will just, you know, find gauge and I'll put in, you know, what gauge I want to work at. And That'll give me a variety of patterns to choose from. So just try to hone in a little bit on, on, on the yarn and the type of pattern, the type of thing that you want to make. And I always come back to if it's a garment, you know, look at your wardrobe and see what's lacking or see what needs replacing or see what you need more of. So that, that helped me uh, to a point. Uh, another thing that can contribute to, to this creative rut is focusing negatively on a mistake in your current whip or whips. And we have all been there, have we not? You are knitting along happily and either you make a mistake or usually you realize that, you know, 85 rows down, you made a mistake. And you just take whatever you're working on and you bunch it up or you throw it back in your project bag or, you know, if you're me, you just throw it in the naughty corner and just look at it and say, you know what, I can't even deal right now. No, I'm not even going to think about you. But, you know, it's good to, it's okay, you know. I think it's okay to ignore it for a little bit, but if it's weighing on you, it's time to face up to our mistakes and not to leave it languishing in the naughty, in the naughty corner. You know, just pick it up after you've had a day or two to deal with it and then, you know, either fix it, fudge it, or rip it out. I, in, in, in tra full transparency, I will always tend to fudge <laughs> if I can. Um, and, you know, you do you, right? I will tell you in my experience that very often fudging takes longer than fixing or than um, frogging, you know, or ripping out to the point of the mistake. 
And I, I blame this little trait on, on my father. And if you will be so kind as allow me to go off on another tangent. I grew up in New Jersey, very uh, close to New York City, fairly close to New York City. And I would, when I was older, I would commute with my father into New York. And anytime there was the hint <laughs> of a traffic jam, my father veered off that highway and oh, we're taking a shortcut. Well, you know where I'm going with this. His shortcuts were never shortcuts. And inevitably, it always took us longer to get into the city than had we just waited in the traffic jam. And would you not know that I am the same way? I live in a city that is a grid. So it's really easy to, you know, to, to, to turn off the road and, you know, zigzag or go in a box, whatever you want to call it. And honestly, if there's too many cars at the traffic light up ahead, <laughs> I am turning left or right and going around. And I will tell you that nine times out of 10, it takes me longer than had I just been patient and waited at the traffic light. So sometimes fudging is not the best thing. And I digress. And I'm sorry about that. But not really. It made me uh, remember my dad, which is always a good thing. So face up to your mistake, make some decisions, and, and, and move on. The next thing that you know, can contribute to your knitting block, your creative rut, is you think you have knit all the things. And I'm saying that out loud, and it sounds a little, a little ridiculous, but I had this very thought. I thought, oh, no. I have all the sweaters I need. I have all the t-shirts. I have all the shawls, all the shrugs. That's why nothing is speaking to me because I, I, I have no need. I, I'm, I'm not going to want to knit anything until, you know, something has to be fixed or has to be replaced. And of course, it turns out that that wasn't the case. But when I read that, I, I laughed out loud because I thought, oh my, I I had that, that absolute thought. So you haven't knit all the things if you think you have. There's always more things to knit, which how wonderful is that? And the next thing that can be um, keeping you from, from abundant creativity, and I'm going to put an asterisk next to this one, making the same thing over and over again. So... I agree and disagree with this. I make the same thing over and over again all the time. I've made several ranunculi. I have made a lot of turtle dove sweaters. It is by far my favorite, one of my favorite patterns. I'll probably cast another one on not too long from now. I've made several find your fade shawls. I've made several, you know, Saturday, Friday, Sunday shrug, whichever one you choose. Um, if I find something, I will make more than one. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. However, this was the reason that gave me my aha moment. I was thinking about this and I realized that I was looking at patterns and ruling them out because they had techniques that I had never tried. And case in point, in my last episode, 
I talked about casting on Andrea Mary's uh, Weekender Crew. I just really liked that sweater. And I dyed the yarn for it, and I sat down to cast it on. Really forced myself, because it was during this time frame. When I was going through the sort of, you know, creative block. And it called for a tubular cast on. And my immediate reaction was, oh, I just want to cast on. I do not want to take the time to find a video, to watch a video, to learn this new thing, only to have to rip it out, you know, once or twice, whatever it takes to get it right. I I don't want to do it. And of course, I could have just done what I always do, which is use my preferred cast on. But for some reason, I went through this thought process with this particular pattern. And that's when this little voice inside of me said, Amy, you know, stop. You are stuck in your ways. You are doing the same thing over and over again to the detriment of learning something new. And as you learn something new, you grow. You grow in your technical skills. You grow in your creativity. You grow in your knowledge. So many things to benefit from taking a little bit of time of learning something new. So this really hit home for me. And I, I understood at that moment that for me, this, a big part of me being in this block of creativity was I was just stuck in my ways and too stubborn to step outside of my box. So I went to Andrea Mowry's video and I watched it and I knit along with her and cast on the tubular cast on and I had to watch it a, a couple of times at the very beginning just to see how she was, you know, twisting that yarn to make it a purl stitch when you cast on. And you know what? 10 minutes later, 10, 10 minutes, which is nothing. I had cast on for the front of the sweater and I was very pleased with myself, patting myself on the shoulder, commending myself for stepping outside my box. And as I'm doing the setup rows, I'm thinking, okay, well, I've done it. It's okay. I, I don't ever see the need to do, <laughs> to do it again. Do you see me stepping right back in to my box as I had stepped out? And I continued to knit and I knit, you know, a few inches and I finally looked down at the cast on and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that is the most beautiful cast on I've ever seen. If you've never done a tubular cast on, it gives you this lovely waterfall edge and it's really quite pretty. And in the yarn I'm using, it was just lovely and I loved it. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm, I'm going to use this cast on, you know, from now on. And, and had I not stepped outside my box and challenged myself and it, it may sound so small that I just challenged myself with a cast on, but no challenge is too small. If you're learning something new, I, I'm just so so thankful that I had that aha moment and I did it. Now, I know this is not the biggest problem in the world, but I think we all at some time have that 
that ebb in our creativity. And it's important during those times, I'm sure you've heard other people say, just go with it. Um, or at least they say that for a loss of mojo. But like I said, I, I wanted to cast on. I really wanted to. I just couldn't figure out why nothing was talking to me. And, and it really was because I was so stuck in my way. I only, I, I, on one hand, I just wanted to make what I know how to make. But then on the other hand, I was so bored making what I know how to make. And yet I didn't want to take the time to learn something new. Not because I feared I wouldn't be able to do it. I think to be perfectly honest, I was just, being lazy, uh, being stubborn, being closed-minded, whatever you want to call it. But I'm happy to say I cast on and then I cast on the, the, the back ribbing with tubular cast on, which took me even less than 10 minutes. And um, I have finished the sweater, which we'll talk about later. But those are a few reasons and hopefully a few uh, helpful hints if and when uh, you find yourself in a um, creative rut. I'm speaking to you on the 1st of November, and that means for most of us, we are well into fall with winter just knocking on the door. I know for some people today, you got your first snow. Uh, we actually had a little nip in the air this morning, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, we're well into fall. I'm sure a lot of you are in sweater weather at least part of the time. And so you're getting out your knits and how wonderful is that? I decided to watch the fall, uh, 2023, fall, winter, 2023, 24 runway shows a couple of weeks back. And can I just say that when I was a student at FIT, I mean, I thought I'd never have an opportunity to go see a fashion show. I mean, this was, you know, before the internet and, you know, going to see a runway show was just a dream. And now to just be able to watch them so easily, most of the designers put them on YouTube. I love it. So I, I went and I watched some of the uh, designers that I am really fans, a fan of. I watch their, their shows, even though, you know, I'm never going to wear these clothes, but I like to watch it. And, uh, and then I, I went uh, to seek out some knitwear designers and I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about some of the runway trends I saw in knitwear just real quick. And of course, you know, we can make our own trends. I, I do think that one of these trends came from the hand knitting community. Uh, and I'll get to that in just a minute. So the first trend I saw over and over again was oversized, slouchy, menswear-inspired knits. Um, and I think to pull this trend off, it really comes down to size and fit because there's a difference between oversized and too big. So um, I like my sweaters with a fair amount of positive ease, but I have knit some that are just, I was going for that oversized look, but honestly, they're just too big and, and they look too big. Um, so just keep that in mind if that's something. And again, you know, this is all my opinion. <laughs> you can keep it in mind or not. I don't ever want to come across as uh, being um, bossy. 
for lack of a better word, because words escape me at the moment, um, which is not good as I'm recording this, but you know what I mean. You do you, as I said before. So I just, my opinion is, and in my experience, that if you want it oversized, just don't make it too big. Um, and so I saw the baggy sweaters, a lot of crew necks, especially, and they were styled with wide leg trousers, a lot of flats. Um, and, um, and the big chunky, uh, boot, which is, is still having a moment. It's this sort of take on, uh, masculine, but feminine. I really, really like that. Uh, the next trend I saw over and over again on the runaways, and this is the one that I think that the hand knitters can take responsibility for or take, not responsibility, but take, uh, you know, credit for, uh, a lot of cropped knitwear and, 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 um, a lot of crew neck cropped sweaters that were being worn over dresses. Now, come on, give me a break. I think knitters started this trend at least three years ago, wearing the little crop sweater, uh, over the, over dresses. So, uh, I am not a dress person. So, um, so for me, this particular trend, uh, is not the best, but it, it's really, really pretty. And, um, it's a perfect way to transition from the warmer months to the cooler months. You can still wear your summer dresses, but throw over your long sleeve cropped uh, crew neck or V-neck, whatever the case may be. I, I, I mostly saw crew neck. Crew neck seems to be the neckline of choice on the runways, but um, whatever you like is what works for you. And um, the next trend that I saw a lot of, and I think that this, com I don't think this ever goes away. I think there's always someone showing this on the runway. I think it might be a little unusual to show it for fall and winter. You usually see it in spring or the resort collections. But I saw a lot of nautical knits, a lot of striped uh, crew neck sweaters, a lot of navy and white um, lots of, um, buttons and open collars and, um, they were being worn with, with jeans and wide leg trousers and chunky thick soled boots. A lot of them had, um, like a Navy, what looked like a wool coat over them. And it was, it was really nice. I, I, I like that look. It's again, it's not something that I wear, but I really, I, I admire it. I think it's a nice look. Okay, I then saw, and <laughs> I've seen this before. This is, you know, if you're like me and you have been around the block a few times, you too have seen this. But on the runways, designers were showing twin sets, a little crew neck a pullover, and a cardigan, a matching cardigan to go along with it. So... I like a twin set. I think they are really nice when they're done in a solid color. And I think it can pull a look together. I think it's an easy, I think it's, it, it, it equates with a dress. When you, when you throw a dress on, you're immediately, you know, dressed, you feel good, you feel put together, you know, you don't have to 
worry about what top goes with this bottom. Dresses are just easy like that. And I think a twin set can do the same thing for a skirt or a pair of trousers or, or even wearing it over a dress. I do think if you're going to partake in, in, in this trend, that the, the yarn really matters. Because I think if I were going to do a twin set, I would probably splurge on the yarn. The yarn really has to do the talking because it's going to be just a uh, all stockinette. I mean, of course, you can do patterns or texture, but what uh, we're just talking about what what I saw on the runways, and they were just simple, sophisticated, classic stockinette twin sets and. There's so many beautiful camisole patterns. So a beautiful camisole with a matching cardigan on top of it, I think would be gorgeous. Of course, if you live somewhere where it's freezing, you know, you'd probably want a long sleeve over a long sleeve or a long sleeve under a long sleeve um, or a little short sleeve tee with a cardigan on top. And, and the other thing I really like about a twin set is that they can stand on their own individually. It just adds to your wardrobe, especially if you're doing a capsule wardrobe, because you can use the cardigan without the underpiece. And you can use the underpiece, whether it's a long sleeve or a t-shirt or a camisole or even like a vest, a sleeveless one on its own. And if you do decide to make the underpiece a, a vest-like garment, then how great because you can put a long sleeve shirt under that, not use the cardigan and have that stand on their own. I really liked the twin sets. Most of them were, were shorter rather than longer. Um, and I think with a pair of gorgeous menswear inspired trousers and a great shoe, I think it's a really nice look. I think I mentioned in other episode, at least one other episode that I really like um, Catherine Hepburn's look, you know, in her heyday when she had, she was so feminine, but she wore that, that very menswear inspired look. I've always loved menswear. When I toyed with the idea of, of studying fashion design, I did study design. I ended up studying women's wear, but I really thought long and hard because I really thought I wanted to be a menswear designer. So there you go. I think the twin set is a, is a really nice, retrend I'm going to call it because it's just been around a few times all right the last uh, trend we're going to talk about I saw on the runways were outdoorsy knits um, anything that looks perfect for camping can be repurposed to wear in everyday life and it should have a little bit of a y2k flair uh, you know Think cozy fleece and, like I said, anything you would wear if you went camping or if you had a bonfire. Um, it's a cute trend. I, 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 you know, the the the, the hiking boots and um, the oversized sweaters. You, you know what I'm talking about. So those are some of the 2023-2024 runway trends. What have I been knitting? Well. I am happy you asked because I love to share. I, last time we spoke, I believe I had already cast on a cardigan, 
a grandpa cardigan. It was a cagey pattern, and um, the name of the pattern escapes me at the moment. But the cardigan in the pattern was cropped, uh, just a plain stockinette pattern. And I talked about how I chose this particular pattern because I had never knit a cardigan um, the way this one was constructed, which was you cast on the stitches for the back, you knit the back, then you pick up stitches for the right and left shoulder, and you knit down, and then there's some shoulder shaping. Now, I have knit t-shirts that are constructed this way and, um, and a couple of uh, sleeveless tops, and I think I also mentioned in the last episode that I never like the way they fit. And I, I absolutely think that has to do with this particular construction on my body. But I wanted to try a cardigan like this because the issue I have with some of my cardigans is, is they, they don't stay on my shoulders. And again, I knit them oversized, so that could be the problem. But I don't knit them too big. I knit them just a little bit oversized. Anyway, I thought I would try this. I, I do love a drop shoulder. This is a drop shoulder. And um, I didn't want another raglan cardigan this time around. And I thought, oh, since it had some shoulder shaping, that, that maybe this one would fit me better than some of the other garments that I knit in this particular way. And I, I did modify only the length of the garment. I didn't want it cropped. I wanted a, a big grandpa kind of cardigan. And I added uh, patch pockets. I, I have finished the cardigan. And I don't like the way it fits. <laughs> I, I just don't like the way it lays on my body. And, and again, I'm not so much of a technical knitter that I could say to you definitively that I think it's because of that shoulder construction or, or how that's constructed. I just know that every single garment I knit this way, I don't like the way it fits. So I'm, I'm done knitting in that construction. I say right now, who knows? So I will wear the cardigan. I think it's, um, it's nice and it's, it, it's, I think it looks okay if I position it a particular way on my body. I added big pockets. It, it's a nice, big, comfy, cozy cardigan. Eventually, I don't think I have any pictures of it yet on my Instagram, but I'll get there. Uh, it's just a, a chocolate brown color. Uh, because I, I can use that in my wardrobe. It will go with almost everything I have, and I didn't have a chocolate brown cardigan. I'm not unhappy that I knit it, um, and I will use it. I'm just a little disappointed. The next thing I knit, which I um, alluded to earlier, was Andrew Mowry's Weekender Crew. I cast that on with my new technique the tubular cast on. And um, again, I modified this, I, but I didn't know I was going to modify it. Um, I was, I had it, I knit the ribbing, which you knit the front and back ribbing separately. And then you join to work in the round after you've knit a few um, 
stuck in it rose flat. So the weekender is meant to be worn with the pearl side out. That was the first change I made. I knew I wanted to wear the knit side as the right side. Then I decided I didn't want the seam. The, the weekenders have this, this seam that goes down the center front and I, I didn't want that. So I eliminated that. And so I, but I continued to follow the pattern just minus that. And you do knit it, you know, wrong side out. So it was, it was no problem for me just to know that the knit side, I only had to pay attention to the knit side being the right side when I got to the sleeves. So I knit it and I got to the, um, I separated for front and back and finished the front. And, and I, I love the neckline. I love the really gentle shaping of the neckline. My neckline is wider than hers because I like a wider neckline. And then I went to knit the back and I caked up my uh, third skein of yarn. And then I went to check on my yarn thinking I had five skeins and I only had four. So at this point I thought, because oh, I'd still had the whole back to do, you know, half of the back to do and the ribbing on the neck and then the two sleeves and the ribbing on the sleeves. And I just, and it's a DK yarn. And I, I just, I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to have enough. So I made a little bit of alterations shaping wise on the back. Um, nothing too much, but just a little bit to save on yarn. And then I went to work on the sleeves and in the pattern, it's got this really pretty ribbing that, um, that takes place, you know, on the sleeves, it's a, it's a drop shoulder. So that you start that texture. I think you start it actually, you know, before you pick up, you do, you start it before you pick up for the sleeves, I think. And I, of course, in true Amy fashion <laughs> decided I didn't want any texture on my sweater. I just wanted a plain, beautiful stockinette sweater, which is my love language truly. And, um, and so I made that change. And, uh, so after I did the three needle bind off for the shoulders, picked up the, picked up, you know, for the sleeve and I knit the first sleeve to, uh, just three quarters of the way down. I was really afraid at this point, I wasn't going to have enough yarn for two full length sleeves. So I left those sleeves on, on hold. And then I went and picked up for the other sleeve. And I got three quarters of the way down and I realized, okay, I was going to have just enough yarn. And the final alteration I made was I didn't really shape the sleeve very much. I think I decreased maybe four stitches on both sleeves and I didn't do a ribbing. So it's a slight bell sleeve. Really love it. I'm so happy with it. I, I, I had just enough yarn. I have just a little ball left over, which I'll tuck away in case I ever need to make alterations. And I did do the ribbing around the neck. Oh, I think the neck is just my favorite part. Uh, it's just beautiful. Now, I was really set to do the sewn bind off for the neck, which is, I don't know if they, if it's called a tubular 
bind off or an Italian bind off. It's just sewn. I've never done it before. I was all set to sit down and watch the video and do the technique, but I didn't because I was so afraid I was going to run out of yarn and I had to do the neckline before I finished the sleeves because I feel that the neckline does pull the sweater up a little bit. So for me to get the correct length on my sleeves, I like to have that neckline done. So I just did a normal cast off for the neck. I'll do the sewn bind off next time. I was a little bummed, truthfully, um, but I wasn't gonna take that chance. So it's done. It, it's, I did it in my own hand dyed yarn. It's, it's a beautiful pearl color. It's out of the most yummy merino silk. I'm so pleased with it. It's just it's the perfect sweater for me. It's a great pattern, even though I didn't do the, the seam, the front seam and the ribbing on the, on the cuffs. I still absolutely followed the pattern. It's clear. It's lovely. I'm really pleased with it and I'm happy to have this. I'm excited to wear it. Uh, and so what are some of my whips? Well, I, I have cast on another shrug. Uh, this one is in worsted weight, uh, my own hand dyed uh, worsted weight, and um, I'm doing, it, typically the shrugs are striped. I am doing stripe, but I'm doing a one color stripe. So I'm doing the stripes in texture. Uh, I'm doing one stripe in ribbing and one stripe in stockinette. And uh, so far so good. It looks really pretty, and I think a worsted weight neutral version will come in really handy for my wardrobe. I thought I wanted an oatmeal color, but I ended up going for uh, almost like a, um, a sand colored cardigan with a slightly, with a, with an undertone of blush. I think it's really pretty. It goes with most everything in my wardrobe. So I'm working on that. And the other thing I am working on is a hat. Um, Spoiler alert for anyone who is a customer of mine, past, uh, present, or future. I, for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate, I am gifting my customers a free hat pattern. It's suitable for um, all, you know, whatever stage of knitting you're at from uh, adventurous beginner to, to, to wherever. It's, it's a really lovely hat. It's, um, it's got a, a really nice mock cable on it. It's a really nice mock cable. I was really surprised at how, how good it looks. And, um, it's just a nice, simple, quick hat. You can do it in, in any, any gauge, uh, in any yarn, um, so I'm just, I finished my first sample, I'm working on my second sample, and then I will write up the pattern and get it out in an email to those who have joined my email list, and, um, and it will also be a free gift with anyone who purchases from me once the pattern is done. So I'm excited about that. The, the, the first uh, hat I did in, in a sample of my own hand dyed, and then the second sample I'm doing in... Um, Madeline Tosh. Uh, I think the colorway is called Librarian's Dream. It's a DK weight yarn. It's really pretty. I wanted to make sure I did the, the pattern both in a solid or tonal and a variegated uh, so people could see what it looked like. So I'm excited. Uh, it'll be just a free pattern. 
for um, for my lovely customers and email subscribers. Future knitting plans. Well, I definitely have planned another cardigan. I already have the yarn picked out for it. It's a beautiful um, brown leaning rust color, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to do a shorter cardigan, uh, one that probably stops right below the waistband of my um, jeans, which are mid-rise, not high-rise. And uh, again, just a, a drop shoulder. I think I'm going to do this a raglan cardigan. I'm going to use um, Ann Bud's book, Knitting from the Top Down. I've already done a gauge swatch, so I know what my gauge is per inch. And I, I obviously know my measurements, so what I'd like the garment to measure. And then I'm just going to use her charts for a top-down raglan and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I might actually, I think this will be a crew net cardigan. I've seen, speaking again about maybe some fashion trends, I've seen lately the whole cardigan worn backwards thing happening occasionally. I really like that. Now, obviously you can't knit the back higher than the front. It all has to be the same. I mean, you don't want to look like you're wearing your your cardigan backwards. Um, but I really do like the look of that sweater that at least looks like a cardigan that's buttoning in the back. But I'm just talking out loud right now. I'm I I I I don't know that I'll do that. But um, it'll be a crew neck cardigan, raglan, um, which I guess you can't then turn that one to the back because. That would look a little silly. So that's my plan. It might, I'm definitely going to knit a cardigan, but I might change my plan in terms of uh, using Ann Bud's book. I might just do a drop shoulder knit from the, the bottom up. I'll have to decide, but I'm looking forward to starting that. But I'm not going to start that until I finish the second version of my um, No Cabled Cabled Hat that I'm doing as a gift uh, for my customers. And uh, beyond that, I don't really know. I was on Pinterest the other day and I found a sweater called the Comfort Sweater Knitting Pattern um, by Darling Jador. And I really like this sweater. Again, it speaks my love language. It's just a stockinette sweater. Um, it's got a wide well, I she eh, I was going to say it's got a wide neckline, but actually I think she has different versions. I think she has a high neck, a turtleneck, and a V-neck. Um, so I would probably do the V-neck. And what I like about it is it's got really long ribbing for the cuffs. Like the cuffs start, it looks like they start at her forearm, like right a couple inches below the elbow. And it's got a big wide ribbing at the bottom and a split hem. Of course, I love the color it's in. It's a, it's a beautiful oatmeal-y brown color. Um, so I, I, would, I would like to do this as well. I I've really have not looked at the pattern. It looks like it's probably done in a heavier weight. But 
I think it's a simple enough sweater that that's easily modified. Uh, so right now that's really uh, all I have um, planned for future knitting. I have been dying up a fair amount of yarn lately, and thank you so much to everyone who has visited my shop. I really appreciate it. I don't, I don't do color collections. I just, I actually, if I, if I'm not repeating a particular colorway, which I've had to do quite a bit of, I'm so thankful for that that I have colorways that that people seem to like over and over again. Um, other than that. I, I design in the pots. I don't test one single skein for a colorway. I put all, I, I dye five skeins at a time. I put all five skeins in the, in the dye pot and then I pick a starting color and, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll figure out, okay, how, you know, do I want this to be highly variegated? Do I want this to be slightly variegated? Do I want this to be a tonal? Do I want to kettle dye it? But it all starts with that first color, and I'll put that on, and I'll wait for the dye to exhaust. Uh, uh, it, with the exception of kettle dye, if I'm kettle dyeing, which means I'm 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 dyeing the yarn in a in a kettle, that's usually a tonal or a solid. And I did just dye up some of my Merlot, and I I kettle dyed this version of Merlot, and I think it's exquisite. It's a it's a purple leaning red. It is, I think, a great modern take on Christmas red. Uh, if you want a little change, it's I, I'm 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 so thrilled with it. But if I'm dying in the 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 pans, uh, I'll just start with one color. Because, honestly, most of the time I don't have a particular colorway in mind, um, and I'll I'll go stand in front of my little pots of dye powder, and I'll pick one to start with. And I'll pour it on and I'll let the dye exhaust and then I'll go stand in front of my little powdered containers of dye and then I'll go stand in front of the yarn that's partially dyed and I, I just and sometimes I'll get my color wheel out and I'll try it because here's a, here's a little secret. I know if it doesn't turn out, I can always over dye it. And it will be gorgeous because it'll have so many layers of color. And I have a particular color that I like to use as an over dye when I'm not happy with the dye job. <clears throat> and this particular color just mutes everything and melds everything together. And it doesn't hide the original colors, but somehow it works its magic. And, and these skeins of yarn are just spectacular. Um, so dyeing up some fall colorways, like I said, the Merlot colorway, um, some some neutrals. I've been having fun doing tonals in in the kettle lately, and um, and I'm 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 thrilled because I have a four day weekend, so I plan to to really spend a lot of that time dyeing up some yarn. So again, you can find my shop on Etsy, and. Um, I just have so much fun uh, creating the yarn. It's just a blast. Well, that will do it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for taking some time and spending it with me today. It means more to me than you could ever imagine. Until next time, I wish you good health, happy creating, and abundant joy. Bye-bye.